Are you looking for the perfect rehydration drink to support your active lifestyle? Well, my friends, look no further than Hoist. Hoist is there for you whether you're going to use it pre-workout, in the middle of your workout in between sets, after workout, maybe if you're traveling, if you feel that dehydration headache sneaking up on you, or maybe if you just had a late night the night before and you need to reset and get back after it. With three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks with half the sugar and no high fructose corn syrup, no artificial preservatives, sweeteners, or dyes, Hoist is BPA-free, it's kosher, and most importantly, it's made in the USA, baby. We all use Hoist, and I can't speak highly of it enough. Whether I'm doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I'm out doing tactical operations, or I'm in the gym trying to make sure that I'm harder to kill, Hoist is always there to support me. With five delicious flavors you can pick up at your local grocery store or gas station, I love the dragon fruit, but you can try the orange, watermelon, peach mango, or strawberry lemonade. Hoist knows that you don't do normal things and you might be out in the wilderness on a hunt or you might be on a long ruck. Well, they hear you and they've also got three delicious powder packs that you can mix in water anytime you want it. Peach mango, grape, and that fruit punch is that hitter for those packets. So go check them out. If you need IV level hydration for your normal everyday to day activity or if you're trying to get after it working two workouts a day, Hoist is there to support you. Go check them out. Good morning, everybody. For us, it's morning. So if it's not morning for you, then congratulations on making it through your day. Welcome back to the Ones Ready podcast. It's just Trent and Peaches today. We wanted to sit down and talk about some uh, a, a subject which I honestly never thought we'd talk about, mostly because I just don't think I'm, I'm grown enough to, to give out life advice to my peers. But we're going to talk about it anyway, because we've been hearing some stuff. And uh, we just want to share our thoughts more than tell people what to do. At least that's what I'm going to start with. And then towards the end, I'm probably going to start yelling at people and telling them what to do. Anyway, Peaches, good morning. <laughs> like, let's uh, let's talk about parents. Yeah, this is certainly a message to parents because, I mean, first off, parenting's hard. Both of us are parents, so we can uh, we can relate. I think you've got smaller kids. You definitely have smaller kids than I do. I've got at the time, I've got a 15 year old daughter and 11 year old boy. So I think yours are quite a bit younger. I'm a, I'm a four and nine right now. All right. So we got a good, good spread, if you will, good swath of uh, age groups here. So um, many mistakes had, many more mistakes going to happen. <laughs> but it, it's, it, you know, Trent's got a good perspective just because, or say Trent, like I'm, like I'm talking to an audience right now because nobody's yeah. watching or listening, but like, <laughs> You have a unique expect, uh, perspective because you're, you know, at Lackland, so you're seeing a lot of these folks uh, on the front end. And one of the one of the things, and I'm just going to dive right into it, is um, driver's license. Like, uh-huh. I remember an email going around and a discussion going around about whether there's going whether we should require new recruits to come mm-hmm. in with driver's license because so many are not coming in now. Um, is that still a thing happening? Bro, that was like a two-year discussion. It it was like the thing that wouldn't go away, <clears throat> which I didn't understand. Yeah, um, I, I think we figured out where we landed on it, but it is it's one of those things. As as things change and as uh, kids are are raised different and expectations are different for them, for some reason, you know, like these this are like as as an, an entity that's like bringing these people in, it, you want to not put unnecessary. Uh, uh, roadblocks in the way for entrance, right? But also, it's like we can't 
Like you have to have it at some point. And then when does it happen? And then whose responsibility is it and who pays for it and all this other stuff. So yeah, I mean, I don't want to go down the, the driver's license rival, but it took up no. way more of my life than I wish I had. Well, it's just, it's a discussion that we never thought we'd have, but um, for, for those out there that kind of, I know I jumped right into it, but we, there are a significant percentage of uh, recruits coming in that don't have their driver's license. And all that does is put extra burden on us at the unit because they don't have time during the pipeline to go get their driver's license. So they arrive at our units and can't drive, meaning they can't get to work. You, it's, you can't take an Uber onto base. You can't take a taxi onto base because you're going to get stopped at the gate and then you got to get out and then you got to walk the rest of the way. Um, so that's just the kind of uh, conveniences that there are issues with. But at the same time, you can't drive any of the tactical vehicles without a driver's license. You still have to, you know, even though they're, you're not necessarily driving on public roads, you still have to have a driver's license and additional training to drive the tactical vehicles. So now I've got to worry about whether you can pass your, your driver's test, then you got to go down to the DMV, which is always fun. And then it, it's just like you have the time you, you do have the time in high school or before you come in to get a driver's license. So just help yourself out. And if you can learn how to drive a manual, even better, but not required because many of our tactical vehicles now are all automatics, but that's just the one right off the top of my head that I'm like, yeah, man, to, and it'd be very simple. Like, I think I'm going to go take my daughter to learn how to drive today. Um, Oh, I know. know. This is the last podcast that we'll ever see peaches on ever again. Rest in peace. (laughs) At least with this, you know, ugly mug. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, but like so many things, like, and it's a kind of a silly subject, right? Or it seems like it's a silly subject, but like you said, like we, sometimes when we go TDYs, at least I did, you road trip. And if you got a guy that just can't help drive, it's what, what are we, what are we even talking about? You know? And then the, the manual thing, I think that's true because, um, if you if you have no experience with uh, motorcycles or anything like that, just understanding how a manual works in your head to translate over is is uh, beneficial, and just you're saving everybody time. And uh, well, not yeah, I would say yeah. not just that. Like it 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 makes tactical um, sense too, because uh, I can tell you from being downrange, mm-hmm. you know, we we operate with a lot of defend uh, Land Rover defenders and. Um, the Toyota Hiluxes, which a lot of them are manuals, right? Yep. And one time we got in a fight, like we were actually teaching a guy, one of the ODA guys, how to drive a, a, a manual. And he had been practicing for, for a couple of weeks or whatever, but he just didn't have, you know, when you're doing it, when you grow up with it, it's it's second nature. Like you don't even think about it, right? Yep. Um, whereas he was still kind of new to it. And we actually got in a fight and he was the one driving um, oh. and he's just stalling it, stalling it like, and it's, and we actually got him out. I hopped into the seat and, and we got out of there, but like, it's, I don't it's know. dangerous. Learn, learn to drive and learn to drive a manual. If you can, if you have the ability, <laughs> Jeez. are we going to have to start a school where it's just like life skills? This is, this is what you need to know for life. Well, that kind of brings me to another point is we should be teaching people how to pay bills and budget. Like oh, man, these dude. should be things in high school. 
that are taught in high school, but if, if they're not, you should be teaching your kids how to budget. Um, selling them down the river to get student loans to go to college is not the right. And I know that's an unpopular opinion, you know, but I mean, this country is, what is it? Like six something trillion dollar. Yeah. That's way too much. It's like $1 trillion in debt, just in student loans alone. Like that's insane. Um, so, you know, I, I just like teach them how to budget, teach them how to pay bills, teach them how to pay taxes. Like my 50 year old already asked me like, cause she knows that, you know, she knows about tax time. She's like, when are you going to teach me? I'm like, well, I actually pay somebody for that, but, uh, <laughs> but that's just cause I've got, that's just cause I've got a confusing tax portfolio. Yeah. But I mean, like somebody who had, just has a job at, you know, one, one, W nine or one income, um, like you can learn how to do it on one of the many internet, you know, turbo, turbo, whatever's, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, no free ads. Up. We're not giving, we're not giving turbo tax free ad. <laughs> yeah. I hate those guys. Um, yeah. n- I mean, it's just filling out the forms, but uh, it's a good point. Cause, but like, I remember I, the first time I did my taxes, I was probably 18 or 19. You know, I just didn't do it when I was, when I was younger. I remember I went to my tax oh, professor. I'm like, I didn't uh, file my taxes for all these years, but you know, I made so little money that they were just like, bro, don't worry about it. Like they probably owe you money. So they're never going to come after you. But like, it's a good skill to have because you don't want to find yourself in a place where you, the IRS has uh, got you in the crosshairs or that oh, you have man. to, or if you just are to, like in a hurry and you need to do your taxes and you're 20, whatever years old like, and you don't know what to do. Like, I don't know. Learning it earlier, just like everything else, is easier. For sure. Yep. It's important stuff, though. Um, I'm still thinking about about driving the manuals. Remember the first time you hopped in a car that was a right-wheel drive that was manual? It takes you, like, you have to, like, rewire your brain real quick, like your left hand. You're like, okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, like, it's not, like, hard, but it takes a second to get the, the muscle down. Yeah, um, especially when you arrive because you arrive into the UK, you're jet lagged, you know, because um, it's not like you slept when you're flying cattle class over there. So you're sleep deprived, and then your buddies are like, "Hey, let's go downtown partying in Cambridge." Okay, let's go, let's go to Cambridge and party. Then you leave there at you know one two in the morning, so you're even more jet lagged, and then they're all drinking, and they're like, "You got to drive home." Don't know, don't know where I'm going. Never driven a right-hand drive manual. Um, yeah, <laughs> with a yeah. couple drunk dudes in the back. <laughs> but they did it. They, they did it on purpose to make sure that it set up your sleep schedule. I'm pretty sure that's what they did. They were being very, very nice about it. They're like, we just keep them up more so that we can get a sleep schedule on. Yeah, good dudes. <laughs> yeah, solid all around. <laughs> No, but, I mean, but, but it's it's weird because, like, I, I know we're going to on a list, but there's so many things that we're going to throw at people in the military in general that the, the the more experiences you can get your kids before they join, and the more difficult things that they can do, the easier it's going to be on them. And and not even difficult, but like I think we we pulled back the the bar of difficulty so much. Like, let them do things on their own is like the bar that I'm 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 reaching for. Like, don't, 
You want to jump in? Don't you don't need to go to the recru- recruiter for your kid? I don't know. Like it's crazy. Uh, Is that happening? Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons I I called this little meeting. Um is uh, apparently the, the, here's the rumor mill, right? And I know this isn't everybody and, and obviously there's outliers to every situation, but there, there are parents going to the recruiters because their kids, um, won't do it. But like, I, I get it if you go with your kid the first time, but like, there's like parents, like going to recruiters for their children instead of their kids, just going in and finding out if it's something that they want to do. So I don't know if that's like a, just a, a misunderstanding of, of what recruiters are or like they're people that steal your children and run away in the night and they wake up in Vietnam type thing. <laughs> uh, Cause that's not reality or, or I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but like there's, there's another thing that I want to talk about. That's like, like a, a situation that's, that's way worse than that. And I'm hope I'm hoping most of the people out there are laughing along with us as we talk about these situations. Uh, just like a, a, a basic do not do this list with your, not even your kids, your grown adult, children uh offspring that have joined the military are you about to jump right into the the list i don't know i just it was only like two things i wanted wanted to like i wanted to well okay so before you do that i'm sorry this is this is serious uh people or parents are going for their kids to recruiters like i did i really didn't know that was a thing yeah and and you know who i I talked to over in recruiting it's it, it was it's a frustrating thing that they're going through where yeah, people are going for their kids and the recruiters are like, well, when does the, like they're, they're just like, the crying, they're creating this buffer between their children and are like a recruiter, which is whatever. But like, I, I get that I have a blind spot. Cause you know, my old man was just like, go see a recruiter, you know, like, and he gave me some advice. He's like, Hey, if you uh, go take the test, I, I brought my test score back uh, the ASVAB. And he was like, okay, well don't let them, talk you into being a mechanic if you don't want to be a mechanic. You know, like, he's like, you got scores that you don't have to do that. But, like, he didn't go to the recruiter. He would have laughed in my face if I'm like, hey, Dad, can you can you come with me so that they don't, like, I don't know. Like, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, I, I, so I wonder what that is rooted in. Is it in the the I'm going to call it a misconception. Obviously there are outliers with this. Is it, is it under the auspice that recruiters, all they do is lie and they will do anything to get you in because I'm sure that there, that is obviously happened or else that, that wouldn't be the case. Um, and not every recruiter is a saint, <laughs> just like everyone's ready member is not a saint, but yeah, uh, Aaron. you know, yeah, Aaron, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I would also like consider this fact that, um, these recruiters, you don't have all the variables, right? So what you think the recruiter may be lying to you about because they know some other stuff that maybe you're not privy to. And so that's why they're saying what they're saying. Maybe they're not lying to you. Now, some skepticism is healthy, of course, but like our numbers that are not, not for aspect war because our, our numbers are always hurting, but um, you know, we're turning people away from the air force. Like, we are. Yep. So like the recruiters don't necessarily have the need or the motivation to lie to you that, I mean, they don't um, like I said, 
that's probably not every single case, but like they don't need to lie to you. Um, but again, be skeptical. Um, if you don't like what they're saying, then, you know, question them on it for sure. But don't come in as mama bear and start landing in some recruiter. Like it's not going to work out well. Yeah. Well, and, and just, and just make sure that your kids have healthy amount of skepticism. And just, if you go to a recruiter once, you're not on a bus, especially mm -hmm. the air force recruiters. Like they don't, they don't have the positions to put you in, to put you on a bus tomorrow to ship off to basic training. Um, so like if it, I would just be like, Hey, if you have like a, a 17 year old kid, which is the only way that it makes sense where a parent would even be like present in the office to me. Um, but even then, like it's a learning experience, send them to the recruiter to talk to them. Just be like, don't sign any papers and then come home and have a discussion about it. And, 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 and use it as, as that first step into adulthood learning process where they have to go out there on their own and figure some of this out. And then if, if they come back with anything that's like real wonky, you know, maybe find another recruiter or, or walk them through that, through that process of how to, you know, deal with people that are not completely honest. Also brief them on the vultures too, really, because if you go to those, one of those career centers that has, you know, all, all the recruiters all lined up, you know, in that yeah. same, like they're, they're vultures looking, you pop out of the air force one. And as they're walking through the parking lot or walking, walking to the car, because hopefully they have a driver's license, there's going to be an army or Marine recruiter. that's just like, ah! and, and they're going to, they're going to come in and try and swoop them up. I, you know, I'm not lying. I'm I know. I love those guys. I, I mean, you know, the Marines almost got me, so it is what it is. Yeah. They, 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 they sell a good game. But, like, it, yeah, it's just one of those things. Because, like, my experience with my recruiter was very straightforward. And I've told it on here before. But he was not looking to recruit me. Like, he didn't – until I took the, the ASVAB and the D-Lab, like, he, he couldn't care less. I was nobody. Like, I was just another scrawny 135-pound kid. Um, So – it's just weird to me. So like, and I, and I get that there's a lot of different experiences out there, but I'm telling you right now in the air force, just like Peter said, it's uh, bro, like the, we're not looking for people. We're over in strength. Uh, generally speaking in the air force, like the spec war guys, like we're looking for people, but like we want to find you. And then you have to prove that you can even get in the front door and you have to prove yourself for the rest of your career type of thing. And that's for real for the rest of your career. I just got assigned to a new unit and now everybody, and these aren't aspect war folks. These are, these are, you know, um, incredible pilots and Intel officers and, and stuff like that, where I'm at. And uh, like, I've, you know, I'm an E9, but I still got to prove myself when I get to, uh, every single day when I go in there because I'm new and they're, they're wondering who I am. So. That is, that is no joke. <laughs> you got to get through the butt sniffing phase. Everybody's going to look at you and, and figure it out. And it's funny, like the older you get in your career, like everybody becomes the same way. Cause I, we've all made the mistake where we just embrace someone too early based on not enough data. And they turned out to not be the person that we thought that they were. And I thought, I think everybody in the, the latter half of their career, there's a, a little more standoffish in the beginning until we all figure out who, who is who. That's why I try and set expectations low right off the bat. And then all I can do is go up. <laughs> yep. Yep. I do that. <clears throat> but, but, um, 
Yeah. So, you know, recruiters have got a lot going on. They're super busy. They're super, um, I mean, they're, they're fielding all kinds of phone calls, text messages, emails, DMs. Like, so again, like if they are not getting back to you immediately, like that's probably normal. Now, if it's been two weeks, yeah, you probably want to ping them again. But if, if you're not hearing back within a couple of days, like that's probably okay. Like, yeah, it's just, they're swamped. They're out traveling. And you got to think these, these folks are working weekends too. Like they're going to events and, you know, and it's, Hey, it sounds like fun. Hey, like, cool. I get to go to a Raiders game. Then I get to go to a Knights game. And then I get, to go, but they're not sitting there just enjoying it. Right. They're working for hours beforehand and during yep. it, like on the weekends. So like they're busy. <laughs> And well, I'm not and, trying and, to give a bunch of love to recruiters because screw those, but screw them. Man, they are the worst. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you guys. Um, I, actually, let, let, this is a good thing. Like, maybe we should like. How much time should you expect to take from like the moment that you actually decide to join the Air Force to shipping? Because that's like a, a six to twelve month period at least. So I think there's like some misconceptions about how fast it happens. Um, for like a regular Air Force person, right? What is that? Yeah. I, I don't even know what's typical, but I would I would recommend from the first time you go speak to a recruiter, don't expect to be out the door super fast. You know, and, and then you 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 also have a say in, in how fast that process happens. So it's ha- if it's happening too fast, you can hit the brakes. Like you don't have to sign mm-hmm. all the paperwork and, 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 and sign in and all that other stuff. So I, I mean I would recommend a, a six to twelve month period of time where you know that it's going to take this much time. Like don't quit your job and walk in a recruiter's office and expect to be on a bus to basic training. That's not, that's not how it works. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It ain't, it ain't Vietnam. Like you're not going to walk out of a courtroom after just assaulting somebody and end up in Marine Corps basic training. <laughs> I'm not very, saying that we used very to specific. <laughs> we didn't used to hire criminals during, yeah, we, they, we've all seen it. Oh yeah, in, like, that's the right. We did. Stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, I totally interrupted you from your list. That you there was one thing that you were pretty uh, hot and bothered by. So, what is that? Okay. So this is this is not something I've seen firsthand. And I just want to say though, like if this if this is actually happening, and I'm being told it is, if this happened once, it's too many times. And this is parents showing up at someone's first duty station for their first day of work. And for hopefully the one parent that has ever done this, I'm hoping that this is the case. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. And stop it. So, like, after training, you show up to work on your first day, just like kindergarten, and your, like, mom comes with you to make sure that you're taken care of on your first day of work. I'm trying not to be real judgy about it, but... (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know what to say. Now, I, so, so I can tell you as, as a, a senior enlisted leader of a unit, if that happens, I'm going to be very nice to you. I'm going to be very nice to you because it is nice to meet you, you know, mom, dad, whoever it is. But now I've got concerns about the, the person, the airman. I, I have some like, got it. Your airman's been away from you for, you know, Anywhere from 
we'll just the shortest tech school is probably three weeks. Six, so we'll just we'll, six weeks. Six yeah, weeks. Fine. Okay, so we'll just call it you know four months. They've been away. You want to see them? I I got it. You then stay at the hotel or stay at the Airbnb or wherever you're staying um, and allow them to come to work on their first day or their first week on their own. Like, and then, but then, you know, on that, on that Friday or whatever it is at the end of the week, I'm like, Hey, they're excited to show you their workplace. Got it. That's different. Let, Hey, let me show you where I work is different than I'm going to, accompany you on your first day of work. That's very different. Don't do that. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know. Uh, like, uh, I, I, I yeah, didn't know like, that. Like, who, who told you that? Uh, uh, I, I won't say her name, but, you know. You, you know. She she was telling you about this. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty solid data. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She She gets all the data. She, like, this person that we're talking about, and we'll just we're just keeping her name out of this, but like she's she's kind of the oracle, if you will, of <laughs> of anything and everything, uh, recruiting and. But everything. really, people. So this it had to have happened more than once. Yeah, it had to. Have. Yeah. So I mean, and this is a, a pretty specific complaint or or whatever, but I mean, yeah, if that if you show up like that to your first day of of work. I'm going to be like, does, has this kid ever paid a bill? This person, this, this adult ever paid a bill in their life? If I give them a government travel card, is that a good idea? Can I give this person responsibility right away? You know, like not to mention their peers, which they're never going to hear the end of it. At least I would never let anybody hear the end of it ever. People don't forget. And you're not just, you're just not doing that, that, that airman, lieutenant, whoever it is. Any favors? Uh, no, no, you're not. Um, yeah, and, and if you don't know what a government travel card is, basically a, a credit card that each one of us are issued um, for travel, and then you know the hotel, the flights, the car, all that kind of stuff goes on that that um, credit card, and then it gets paid off by by the government. I, I don't actually agree with it. I don't like the government travel card. I think it's a terrible program. And I can go on record saying that because it's awful. And I think that it's a complete scam, but whatever. Man, where did that come from? Like I said, I'm just a little scamish. <laughs> that's how much, that's how much I, I hate the government travel card, but whatever. It's a system that we have. So we, so we use it. Well, um, I mean, it causes lots of, I mean, I've seen it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's easy to misuse and then people get in lots of trouble. For these people that don't know how to budget their money or show up and are out of control and have all these bills and and then they don't have the communication yep. skills to actually talk to anybody about it and uh you know it's a it's an easy way to get in trouble it really is because all it takes is for you not to be on a trip and use it because you're you know because you didn't know how to budget money, because you've got bills that are coming out your ass and you decided to buy a V6 Mustang at a 25, 26 APR um, where you have no business doing when gas is $5 a gallon right now. Well, actually 535 or if you're in LA, it's 805 a gallon. Like Holy crap. people, yeah, well, yeah, dude, it's 535 right down the road here. Um, 
But yeah, the government travel card, whatever, terrible program. But again, it goes back to that responsibility because they can get in trouble misusing it. And when I say misuse, I don't mean like being unresponsible and just going out and, and, you know, buying a bunch of stuff on it. I mean, like there are very strict guidelines on the government travel card. And if you hit an ATM and do a withdrawal at, you know, at a wrong time, or you use it on something that you're not allowed to use it, you can get in trouble with. That's why it's a bad program. And one of the reasons it's a bad program, but it's what we have and what we use. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to the responsibility, like understand when, when, when a person shows up, like at the two, two, right. A brand new guy, we, we in process that person, they get a government travel card, which is easy to get in trouble with. They're going to get a whole pile of gear, like a pile of gear. Then, then they're going to get assigned a cage and then they're going to get a room on base. And so like all these like little things, like being able to organize and clean your room, organize your gear, keep track of everything, manage your money. Like all of these things are, are expected to already be in place because we're not going to be like, Oh, well you just got here. I'm going to wait six months before I send you TDY for a train up to deploy you right away. If I need that body, like if they don't have all these things lined up, it's just a recipe for things to, to little problems become big problems uh, that, you know, is going to lead to bad outcomes. So like that, the driver's license, the, the taking care of your own stuff, the being able to handle money and your credit cards and all that other thing, all those other things, they seem like, little simple things. It's like, well, like, but like I'm signing up to, to drop bombs and kill people or whatever, or to sneak around and stare at people at night and take pictures, which sounds way more creepy than, <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's the job. Um, that should probably be a clip. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Fred like this, sneak around and stare at people and take pictures only professionally. Okay. Um, <laughs> So, but like, the, the, it, but it no, sounds no, stupid, true, but like, though. I'm not here to raise your kids. I'm not here to, to teach them all these things. And like that, that could get them kicked out of the pipeline. You know, like if these things go wrong, if I do a room inspection and the room is a disaster, that's just that you're not making it any easier for these, these grown adults that are trying to get into this community. Sorry. Yeah. And when you talk about like room inspections for, for adults, like this is just, it's the way to, because we have a, a large swath of, of people, right? You know, you got your 17 year olds and you got your, your 30 or 30 plus year olds that are coming in. Do you nest, you know, does a room inspection on a 30 something year old make sense? No, it doesn't, but it's the common denominator that we're, we're looking for. So if they live in a dorm, plus a 30 year old's probably married anyway, so he's not going to be living in a dorm. Um, at least his first duty station, but like we do try and break the air force does not us try and, and, you know, break in or, or grow airmen, you know, slowly. But at the same time, like how slow can it be? You know? Um, and, and at the same time, like the air force, the way they look at it, and it's not just the air force we do and, and, and the other services, we got to allow them to fail a certain amount of, Right. And, and yeah. you as a, uh, you as a parent have got to allow your kids to fail. And, and we were kind of talking about this beforehand with, with, you know, um, your scenario, but like, we're never going, we're like, we try and set the conditions to where failure is not going to be catastrophic. Like there's not going to be permanent damage. There's not going to be permanent, um, 
permanent whatever, uh, permanent circumstances, if you will, that ruins that person's life or causes physical, permanent physical damage. But so there is that kind of safety net. That's what we try and do. But we also have to allow that person to fail because then they they grow that that kid or that that airman grow as they're moving along. And I, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I learn more from my failures, my past failures than I do my successes. Real, I really do. And I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I mean, I remember every failure, you know, like going back to a long time, but like, I, it's weird. Cause like I, I, I was thinking about this last night. I was rolling around in my head. So obviously I did an Instagram post cause I think I'm, you know, some kind of influencer or something. But like the, but that was the thing that I came to is, is is your ego will view failure as failure until you prove it otherwise, right? And so like there's a certain point in your life where you have to stop viewing failure as failure and, and view it as learning and growth and all those other things. And if you don't have practice in that, uh, you know, practicing the, the growth mindset as opposed to, <clears throat> you know, everything is catastrophic if something little goes wrong then you're just going to be like, I am a failure eventually, or, or this was a failure. And that's not the way to move forward in life. So. <clears throat> nope. And then also, I, um, no, go ahead. No, I, I was going to go back to responsibility bandwidth nonsense. Again. Go for it. So it's, it, it, to me, it's like the same way that we talk about your, your, your physical capabilities before you join the pipeline. It's not everything. Right. But like, just like the whole cleaning your room, taking care of your, your personal possessions and all those other things like that just frees up bandwidth for the candidate to absorb training, to, to take a hit in training and not come back and have their room smashed because they didn't have a, a clean room. You know what I mean? So like those, those habits and those little things, they're just increasing your chance of success throughout the pipeline. You know, like you, you'll get 45 more minutes of sleep that night because you don't have to reclean your room. Uh, because the cadre came in and noticed that it was, it was a disaster. So they made more of a disaster. Like that's kind of how it works. Um, and again, why, why are cadre flipping mattresses and wrecking rooms? Because we preach. Yeah. Because, because they're terrible people, but at the same time, <laughs> they're also preaching attention to detail. Right. So yep. like everything that we do has in the, in the pipeline has a, purpose and an intention behind it. So as silly as it is like, Hey, we want, and you know, been made fun of cause I made that one reel about like, Hey, the tape is wrong on your bottle or whatever. But, but that's like, that's just one example. You know, your room has got to be clean. Things have got to be orderly. We do that to provide you an instruction and intent. And then you need to pay attention to detail. And if you don't, there are consequences to that because the translation is, you know, there are, there are serious consequences when you don't pay attention to detail, when you're on an operation or a training operation. Like, you know, if you don't, if you're on a hoist in, in the middle of the North Atlantic and on a training mission and that, that cable you know, you're not paying attention to where that cable is or controlling that cable or you're dropping bombs um, and you get a grid coordinate wrong, you know, one or two digits incorrect, like catastrophic things can happen. So that is why we are paying, paying attention to detail is instilled in us. And that's the, how do we translate that to people that are brand new in the pipeline by, you know, 
creating certain scenarios like keep your room clean, uh, the, the water bottles all being lined up and taped appropriately or marked appropriately, you know, everybody's gear being symmetrical because we can't, we can't put brand new aspect war recruits into scenarios where like, Hey, you're getting a couple digits wrong on a, on a nine line. Like we just can't do that. So we do it in very simpler ways. And guess what? It's very effective because oh, yeah. rooms get flipped all the time. Water bottles get kicked all the time. Like, <laughs> so if you can't do that, if you can't keep those attention to details and uh, situated, like maybe we can't let you progress. Well, man, I feel let real me ask you a question today. I know <laughs> we're, we're darn kids. But like, like, if if you were if you're deployed and you're out of fob and you walk into somebody else's room, like we we go in each other's rooms and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. and the room is a disaster. Like what it, what are you going to think about that person? How are they living like this? Like, and and how ha- and how not just how are they living like this, but also like how are they going to be operationally? It's just, just kind of like, is that how your, is that how your life is? Is that how you operate? You're, you're not, you're just kind of scatterbrained. You're all over the place. Like it's, it's organization. And that, and, and I'm not talking about like a, a an OCD kind of, um, organization or, or cleanliness. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm talking about because I'm, believe me, you could see my, what's going to be the, the office that's upstairs that I don't have set up yet. Like that's a bombs hit it. But we just moved. So like yeah, everything was yeah. in boxes and I just unbox it all and I, and I leave it on the floor and stuff like that until I can sort it. Right. But it's, um, it's just a certain level of organization. Again, it's not an OCD level. It's just where you walk into somebody's room or somebody's house and you go, oh, okay, cool. Like you feel at peace. Yeah, but like I, I never really thought about it before. But almost everybody's room that you walk into when you're deployed, or whatever their tent space, or or whatever it is, it's almost it's not uniform. But like you know, at the fobs, where if, if if you had space for your own rooms or your own space, everybody's got the the little rack where they put their body armor. Everybody's got their clean weapon put in a certain position, ready to go. You know, like everybody's got their gear kind of like all laid out in the in the same way mm-hmm. in their computer space. And but like if if you walk into a room and it's a disaster. And like you're rolling out with that person, you're gonna be like, like, do you do you have everything you need? Like, do you even know where your batteries are? You know, like it's it just be you wouldn't have that warm fuzzy. So, you know these these things are important for uh, for the what these all these folks are gonna be doing in the future. And it's not just our career field either. Like, we're not the only ones that deploy. Obviously, I mean, I took care of my kids for a long time by myself because my my <laughs> wife was gone. But like, yeah, I I, I you know. I FaceTime with her. I see her room. I, all the stuff that she needs is right there and they're ready to go. And it's just a, it's just a, re, a, a responsibility and a, you know, being ready for whatever's next. Yeah. And she, and it's not like she was at a fob either. You know, she, she doesn't necessarily have a uh, go, you know, go bag or anything like that, where she just grabs it and, and runs like yet her yeah. room was still organized and clean. Yeah. So as that as that as that level of, of of danger increases, I think that level of responsibility and 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 having things look a certain way and be a certain way. At least I'm going to get a lot more judgy about it, right? So 
It's a, uh, you're just helping, you know, back, back to the parents, like you're just helping them out. You're helping them move that ball a little bit further on down the line so that they can be more successful. Um, so we, cause like we said, we don't, I'm not going to sit there and have like a lecture with a kid about why it's important to keep their room clean. I'm going to say, keep your room clean. And if I walk in there and it's not clean, I'm going to make it real, not clean. Cause then, then I don't have to have that discussion again. And if they don't figure it out, then they don't figure it out and they're going to be on their way to do something else with their life. Um, and then that's how we do it. You know, it's like, we call it training for a reason. It's like training a dog. When a dog doesn't do something you like you, you let them know when a, when a candidate does something that's, that's out of bounds, you let them know. And either they fall in line and, and figure it out or uh, they find another line of work. Yep. No, completely agree. Something else for the parents. And, and this really is for the, for the parents and the kids that things in the military happen a lot slower than you think they should. Like even we recognize that we know that things happen slower in the military than they should. And on the, the soft side of the house, things it, it, when compared to the air force and the Marines and Navy and army and stuff like that on the soft side of the house, things happen pretty quick, but even then they don't happen as quick as you think that they should. Um, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I mean, depending on what it is, it could be a, a multitude of things, but I mean, there's, there's still bureaucracy on in the soft world. Uh, you know, we are still bound with funding and all that kind of stuff by Congress. Um, promotions are still bound by Congress and the DOD and that, that kind of stuff. So, you know, things can take longer than they would on the private sector or, or at your company that you work at where a, a decision can may, be made like that. And then all of a sudden, whatever, you know, but it, things just happen slower. It's, it's just a, think of a, a big ship out in the ocean. Like it takes an aircraft carrier a while to turn. Whereas, you know, a jet ski, you can, the air force is an aircraft carrier. It's huge. It's a monster. And it just takes a little while to turn. That's that's my best analogy for it. Should, I, I already feel a little bit like Top Gun is is putting all the focus on the Navy. Should we say something not an aircraft carrier? It's like a C five. I don't know. <laughs> Make it Air Forcey. Sometimes well, when it lands, it breaks. Uh, all the time when it lands, it breaks. Yeah, all the time. But uh, yeah, I, I, I forget the number. I know the Top Gun helped out the Navy. Um, quite a bit when it first came out, but I want to say that it actually helped out the air force more um, because people think flying uh, as you should people think flying and air force. I mean, that's really, I mean, look at, I mean, look at the aircraft we have. I mean, you know, we have, nobody else has a tens, right? Nobody else has a tens. Only we do. Mad man. I mean, it's it's yeah. the greatest air platform that's ever been invented. My, ever, maybe the the P fifty one was incredible. That and the the A ten, those are my my birds. Ooh, the OV ten too, Bronco. Oh yeah, Ooh. there's some good ones. <laughs> but like the the A ten, just for you know personal interaction and the survivability of the aircraft is is my jam. Yeah, but uh, you got anything else for parents, or do we transition over to kids now? I say talk, kids. Let's talk to those recruits. Those kids. Oh, um, man. Yeah, we can talk about the kids. I mean, just general, general How about advice. This? Make sure you're helping out around the house. Like, 
it is not your parents' job to do everything around the house, whether it's vacuum, clean the kitchen, do the dishes, uh, sweep, whatever, take the trash out, whatever it is, like you need to be helping. You are a contributing member to the household. You should be doing or it. not. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you're not a contributing member. I don't know. <laughs> but it, I mean, it because what the hell? Why does why does taking out the trash matter? Because when you're at an organization and you see trash the the trash can is filled, you better be taking it out. And that doesn't that doesn't matter of what kind of tenure you have at the unit or your rank at the unit. It doesn't matter. You see trash that's full, you take it out. Um because nobody's coming behind you to clean up after your mess. If, if, you know, you, you just got done washing your hands, you paper towel, you throw it and it doesn't go into the trash can. You better be picking it up and putting it in a trash can instead of like, Oh, it fell on the floor. Somebody else come pick that up. Ben. You shitting me right now. I want to make one of those memes that says no one is coming, but like underneath, but like to take out the trash. <laughs> real serious, real tactical. No one is coming Yeah, to take out the trash behind you. I don't know, man. I, I hate, I hate that. You see the trash can as a mountain and it's overflowing or somebody, you know, washes their hands, dries them off and then just, and they can yeah. see that it didn't go in the trash can, but they just leave it because I'm coming behind them to clean it up. Yeah. My, my boy's still at an age where, you know, we, he's, he says, I need to go potty. We go to the bathroom at the same time. You know what I mean? And he knows if it doesn't go in the trash can, like he's picking it up and putting it back in there. Cause I'm going to be like, bro, nah, bro. And I, it seems like such a little thing and it doesn't seem like it's an unusual thing, you know, cause I was taught don't, don't jack up the house or your world or whatever, where, wherever the trash is, like, you don't just throw your stuff out the car window. But those, I mean, those are the types of things I think that stick with you and, and being a contributing member of your house. And maybe I, I know it's hard for some kids to like gain that perspective of their household while they're still there. Um, but it becomes real clear once you move out that, you know, you probably should have done more for your parents. Like you don't really understand everything that they do for you until you're, you're, you're out. So, um, do, do something to help gain that perspective, look around, understand that your parents are just two people that are older than you that are paying all the bills and getting all this stuff done and that they had to learn the exact same way that you had to learn. So uh, if you can help them out, it would be, it'd be pretty awesome. And it's only going to help you in the, the, the long run, you know, the, the whole like altruism thing that I talk about where nothing is for somebody else. It benefits other people, but do it for yourself, do it for yourself, be a responsible person and, uh, and, and then reap the rewards. And ask if, if you don't see anything, like if you're, if you're kind of looking around and you're like, man, that I'm bored or, or like, I'm not, you know, my parents are working. Yeah, you know, working around the house, like doing stuff. If you can't visibly see something like, ooh, I could do that, just ask, hey, what can I help out with? And, you know, some there's probably something they'll be like, yeah, okay, go knock this out. That would help out. It's just, there is. Uh, going back to the trash thing, does your, does your uh, little one like love to pick up trash out in the, uh, the parking lot as you're walking into a place? Um, Sometimes like, like out, of, out of curiosity, it. not, yeah, not like, Hey, I'm picking it up to put it away, but just kind of like, Oh, look yeah. at that, a straw. <laughs> yeah. I'm always like, so like, it, it's that, that balance thing where it's like, 
hey, we pick up trash, but not here. Don't touch that. Like, I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where we're at. They're like, there's a penny on the I, ground. I'm like, this is a casino. Don't pick it up. You don't know where it's been. Yeah. I, I do have a rule, though. Like, if if you pick up the trash, like, like as in, like, oh, look at that, a penny or a straw or whatever it is, that if you pick it up, you don't just throw it back on the ground. No. You, th- you throw it in the trash. If you're going to take the time to, to pick it up, you're going to go throw it in the trash. And then we're going to go to a bathroom and you're going to wash your hands. But, you know, my son's mm-hmm. 11 now, so he doesn't really do that now. But, you know, he, he did back in the day because they yeah. see stuff and they're, they just, ooh. <laughs> check this out. Dad, check. You know, they yeah, want to exactly. like, make stuff out of it and, and all that other stuff. It's, it's cool, but uh, kids are fun. Yeah. Um, also, don't get fooled. I, I wrote this down because I was like, oh, this is. Uh, don't get fooled by buying stuff that is military grade. You know, oh my the, God. this is military grade. Because if you didn't know, military grade um, is not better than normal stuff. Now, maybe there are, there are occasions it is, but when we peek behind the curtain, when, um, military will go with the lowest bidder generally like because they they kind of have to by law right there there's some intricacies in it like i but military is supposed to spend is supposed to be good stewards with the taxpayers money which means generally they go with the lowest bidder so military grade means that it just met the minimums to be good enough for us so and for for a large population right like right. the, the the boots that maintainers wear might be really good for maintainers or whatever. They're, they're probably not, but whatever. They, they're not going to work so well in the uh, the mountains of Afghanistan or running through the streets of you know Ramadi. No, <laughs> no. So don't get fooled by paying for military grade stuff because though it may be good, um, that moniker is um, is kind of deceiving, if you will. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's that was really low. random. I know. <laughs> I mean, the, the, there's some places where I, I think we were rolling with the the Colt M4s for a long time, and Colt makes decent M4s. Um, mm-hmm. But none of us wore issued boots. I'm, 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 you know, like the first pair of boots that I ever deployed with were the the Oakleys. Where it was Oakleys and a Solos. Remember those? Dude, those are great. Dude, the, the best thing about the Oakleys is they basically float. Like for pool work, those boots were money. Yeah, I never but, wore the Oak- I wore the Oakleys down like operating. Not I never wore them in the pool, but I, I wore Vasks, a Solos, and then uh, the Oakleys and Solomon's. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that, that, that's just one of those examples. But you're right; it's it's military look great is is weird, and like we don't even think about some of the stuff that we get issued. It was funny because I was in an office the other day, and someone asked me, they're like. There's a senior airman. She goes, are you uh, special forces? I go, well, I'm, I'm special operations. She was like, well, your uniform, like I noticed your beret because I looked at your uniform and it's different. You know, I was like wearing cries or whatever that mm-hmm. I was issued. And I'm just like, uh, okay. Like, I don't, I don't notice that your uniform is different than mine, but like, that's one of those like accidental elitist things in my brain where uniforms just don't matter that much to me. Uh, but other people noticed, but we have even our uniform that I wear to work is, is a little bit different than whatever Bales wears. Yep, it is. And and you're right. I, I don't notice it either, but people definitely notice. 
Yeah, it's weird. They, they definitely notice. But yeah. eh, I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so we, know we are the state of parents. We are issuing What's our that? folks in, in the prep course. They're getting Solomon boots now. I don't think I, I got that update until recently when I was over there. Uh, but they're not getting the Loas anymore. They switched over to the Solomons. Really? I yeah, like the Solomons. Was, they're they're like running shoes. Oh, they're so great. And here's the thing. It's like we're <laughs> over here being like, parents, don't spoil your, spoil your kids kind of thing. And then they're going to go to prep, and we're going to give them these brand new top-of-the-line boots. This is what you're starting off with. And it's like, man, like I get that it's like better for like not getting injured. But you kind of want to just run through and hit everybody in the shins and make sure that they feel it. Yeah. Uh, so there, yeah, there was definitely discussion, you know, we, about the, are we setting them up for failure by spoiling them so much at the beginning, which I think we have, I think it, we were for a little while, but I think we've course corrected that now. Um, yeah. I don't like having gone there and visited with you um, back in January. I don't necessarily think that we're doing that now. Um, No, I could be wrong though. No, it's, it's just one of those things. It's, it's, uh, you know, like as a, as a parent, I look at the stuff that my kids have, you know, and then when my kids turn 16 and they're probably going to end up with a car that I'm going to help them a great deal, if not just give them. then I'll look back and be like, well, like I had to buy, like I had like a 1992 Nissan NX, which they don't even make anymore. A little four cylinder and you could barely, you know, like what you get is so much better than what I had. And it's just like, yeah. it's easy to look at these, these new folks and be like, I can't believe you're getting Solomon boots, like in the prep course before you even have a funny hat. Like I didn't get anything cool until way later. Um, but yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. It- so as a parent or a, or whatever, it, it is different because you do want people, you want your, your kids and your, your airmen or whatever to have a better life than you did. Um, you know, so it's, it's tough. So that maybe there's a, a middle ground. Like I, I kind of do what, what for my daughter and my son, when, when we buy a car, like it's going to be a kind of a, a, a 401 match plan as if if they show up with two thousand dollars i'll show up with two thousand dollars so they can get a four thousand dollar car or whatever right but um i guess just because i feel like i've got to help them out a little bit but saying that i paid for the whole my first car all by myself you know so like like, am i being a hypocrite by even recording this you you know 50 something minute podcast yeah i probably am being a hypocrite (laughs) but you know I, i don't know I'm not yeah, perfect, but you can, I think we started off with parenting is hard. And then, uh, this is, this is where we're at, but like, it, it's just a different generation, but you know, understand that making the road too soft for your kids or, or doing stuff for them. That's unnecessary. You know, as, as they transition to adulthood, you're not doing them any favors, especially if they, if they're looking, if they're watching this podcast or you're listening to this podcast and they're thinking about these career fields, I think it's it's pretty specific advice for, you know, uh, uh, giving them the best chance possible, and, and that's really what it is. It's not that you don't love your kids anymore or whatever, but like if they if you walk into their room and it's a disaster and they're seventeen or eighteen years old, maybe it's time to stop paying their insurance and take their car away or 
smash their phone or whatever it takes to get that message through them so that they can be successful sooner rather than later. Yeah. You reminded me of something. I, um, no, uh, no, I'm not going to say it on this just in case I, cause I will get, I will get judged or some folks will end up coming to my house. Some, uh, CPS child protective service or something like that. I'll end up coming to my house. So well, I'm not going to self incriminate. <laughs> I will I mean, say to try and prove a point. I have smashed something like completely under like mentally under control. Like I, I go in and I know I know go in and going like, and, and I even told my wife beforehand, I'm like, Hey, this is happening right now. I'm going to go in there and smash it. And even she's like, is that really needed? I'm like, I need to prove, I need to send a message. And I'll tell you what, it worked. It it, it hurt. (laughs) It hurt my knee because (laughs) I used, I used my, I I did the, you know, uh, when I smashed it, but, uh, but it worked. But again, it's not like I was, I lost control and I'm going in there in rage. I just like, I'm sorry. Just so you know, I heard I'm was, going in there. And do, yeah. Jared drinks too much. He comes home drunk, beats his kids. That's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was very deliberate about it. I told my wife, hey, I'm going in there. I'm going to do this. You know, and uh, yeah, but it worked. You so, know, we need to start another podcast, and it should be all be about normalizing parenting in reality. What actually happens versus what everybody says they do. You know, like, I would never do that to my kid. It's like, well... Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. How's your kid acting right now then? Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can tell those parents for the most, like, granted there's sometimes there's kids that just come out like the, the good son, Michaela Kilkin type or whatever, um, that are just terrible no matter what. But it's pretty obvious when, when your kid shows up to T-ball practice that you've never, you've never taken anything away from that kid in their life. That's as far as I'm going to yeah. go with it. You're right. I need to stop. Yeah, Sorry. that's what I'm saying. I'm like, let's let's go ahead and cut this now, uh, because if not, we're gonna start ranting and we're gonna absolutely self-incriminate, and then CPS is gonna come up to both of our houses, and then Aaron's got to do the podcast all by himself, which he Poor could. Aaron. He could totally do a podcast all by himself, Bill Burr yeah. style. Yeah, but no one would be there to make fun of his fake hair, so it wouldn't be as good. <laughs> it's really not like bring to the, the podcast. <laughs> all right well you got it man close it up all right to wrap it up uh responsibility creates bandwidth to 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 for success i think that's what we're talking about get your kids responsible knock out some of the things that are going to make them successful let them fail and 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 let them move towards that growth mindset where they recognize failure as growth as opposed to failure being failure because if they never fail at anything then they're not going to know how to handle it so we did a good job here if we ranted cool go leave a review leave us one star say we beat our kids whatever it's cool um and uh we'll catch y'all later train hard